welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the gospel pandemic, part six, demonstration. We're back. Welcome (laughs) back. You know, last week I went back and listened and we did talk about how we were in the ice world and now we're in snow world. Snowland. It's wonderful. Yeah. I feel like a Michigan winter. Mm. I grew up in Michigan for some of my childhood and I feel like it's a Michigan winter right now because there's snow everywhere Yeah, and it's hard to drive. I got stuck in my neighborhood this morning trying to get out. So yeah, I did too, actually. It was pretty awesome. Main roads are, once I get to the main roads, it was fine, but just getting, I kind of like it. I really actually enjoy the challenge of like, am I going to get stuck? I hope so. (laughs) Kind of hope not sort of thing. Well, it's one of those things you have to start in Michigan. They carry around shovels and cat litter or sand, all kinds of stuff in their car for Mm -hmm. winter. We're going to have to get like that if this goes on much longer. So it it won't, it's Indiana. It's not going to happen. So (laughs) hopefully this is the last of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about this idea of demonstration, um, and really just like living out your faith so that, so that somebody else can imitate it. Really. That's how we learn. Um, and so, but before we get into that, uh, I wanted to ask you, Brian, you asked me last week, I want to ask you this week, who is somebody that made a big impact on your life in either coming to Christ or in growing in discipleship? Yeah, there's really so many, and I've mentioned ones in the past, but I'll key in on, um, one person in particular was my youth pastor, uh, Scott, who actually came right, right as I moved to Lexington to live with my dad and stepmom. I had had some troubles. Uh, I actually came to Christ through all of this whole process. God had ordained all of this. <clears throat> and anyway, I moved there, and he actually became the youth pastor right as I was moving there. And um, he really just keyed in on helping me to grow in my faith and probably saw something that I didn't even see at the time uh, because he helped me kind of formulate my call to ministry and just yeah. all these types of things. So there for about three or four years, he really, I mean, I was, he really intentionally poured into me. And so I, I, those were some of the most formative years for me. And I really owe uh, a lot to him of where I'm at. So he just made a huge impact. So that just goes to show you that, Mm -hmm. that youth pastors, um, are so important in the lives of students as they grow, because they, they have a, a reach and an impact that is just, just amazing. Yeah. So. And it's really important, you know, youth pastors need to be men of God, you know, they that can't, is true. They can't yes. just be older boys. That's you right. Know? They, they've got to be pursuing the Lord so that they can show younger men and women. Uh, Cause these, these students are really just younger men and women. I mean, they're growing up fast and they need somebody to show them how to trust in the Lord. And that's really what we're talking about today. So that's a perfect intro to this whole idea of demonstration, imitation, and and talking about this. Yeah, Jesus had plenty of teaching, but he also unintentionally didn't teach everything. Right. He demonstrated and displayed a great many things. And so his disciples learned a lot just by observing his life. Why is this such a powerful way for his disciples to learn? Well, I think that... You can know something in your mind. You can have a theoretical knowledge of something. But until you've seen it done, and even until you've been able to practice it a little bit, um, but if you haven't seen something done, that's why YouTube is so huge. And there are so many how-to videos on YouTube because people need to see how to do something. Right. Um, you might have it on paper, but if if you can't see it done, you're not really understanding right. it. Right, even better than a manual, like a, like fixing a car. You had a car manual, but you know it feels like if you don't see it done, like I've... I've kind of liked going to YouTube more mm-hmm. to watch videos of people. Cause then there's guys like, well, you know, this sometimes doesn't work, but you can do this. Right. And like, it's like, Oh, yep. Okay. Just I see. Seeing it happen is amazing. Cause then you get to see there's something, there's just a disconnect there right? until you might know how it's like what you think is supposed to happen. But you don't really know what that looks like until you see it. And only only somebody who who knows, who has that knowledge, that practical working knowledge. And Jesus is the one who who knew all things, right? I mean, he, right. Is, he is the source of wisdom. That's that right. is knowledge being worked out into real life. And so he just lived 
a holy, perfect life in front of these guys. He taught them, yes. That's right. But it was coupled with his actions. Right. A huge part of the Christian walk or the Christian life, discipleship, is all about imitation. And the disciples were encouraged to look at Jesus's life and and, and <clears throat> imitate his life. I mean, he lived his life in full display for them to imitate. And really, the disciples caught this and taught this to their followers because it shows up in their writings. First Peter 2.21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Yep. Now on that that bring you know Paul similarly talks about in First Corinthians uh, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So that's right. So ultimately we're we are imitating each other to an extent, but only to the extent that that person is imitating Christ. That's right. So those apostles were were imitating Christ, mm-hmm. and they were saying, "Hey, as I'm looking to Christ, imitate what I'm doing." Because sometimes you need somebody. We say this in ministry: you need somebody with flesh. You know, right. you need somebody that is there, present in your life to help pour into you. That that's what a discipler is. That's what a mentor is. Yeah, and that's why discipleship is not just, you know, a conversation. It's not just getting together and talking only. It's right. not only that. It has to be more than that um, from time to time. It can't it's not only one thing or the other. You're not simply just getting together and and doing you know, normal life stuff together, but you're also not only getting together and having a Bible study all the time. It's these things working in concert with each other. Yeah. That's why Jesus used this as a, as a form of his teaching is to say, look at my life, uh, imitate what I'm doing. And, you know, of course the disciples struggled in, in many areas, mm-hmm. but, but as God, we all do. <laughs> God gave them, Jesus gave them a lot of grace in this. Right. And he really, uh, into them in this way, both teaching, but also just displaying. One of the ways uh, was his own personal relationship with the Father yeah. through the practice of spiritual disciplines. Now, you know, Jesus was perfect. Mm-hmm. He he knew the Word. He was the living embodiment of the Word. He knew the Father, yet he still displayed spiritual disciplines in his life. You know, yeah, ahead. no, I was just going to say that that's what's so great about Jesus coming because he like didn't have to do any of this stuff the way that we need to. Um, but he but he chose to need to do exactly. that. And he chose to need to spend time with the father in in prayer regularly. He chose to need to do these things. Um, that's a part of him, you know, becoming a human being. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing that he did all of this stuff partially so that we would know how to do it. Right. And so that's what he's doing here. And so well, these spiritual let's, disciplines... Let's define what we're talking about yeah, here exactly. with spiritual disciplines. Donald Whitney, which has the book Spiritual Disciplines, which is a very... It's just a an amazing book that every Christian needs to read. <clears throat> and he says that spiritual disciplines are those personal and corporate disciplines that promote spiritual growth. They are the habits... Uh, of devotion and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by people of God since biblical times. So that's that experiential, that, that idea. This is where you are really living out your walk with Christ, which, which means, and he has a good, a bunch of thing, you know, normally you ask somebody, what are spiritual disciplines? They'll probably say prayer, reading the Bible. Right. And those are primary. There's also a lot of secondary. He talks about silence. Mm -hmm. He talks about fasting. He talks about serving. Yeah. All of those things are disciplines that we learn and we grow in, in our faith. In fact, he also says in the same uh, chapter, the intro introduction chapter, he says, I can say to you that I've never known a man or woman who came to spiritual maturity except through discipline. Godliness comes through discipline. You agree yeah. with that statement? So I do. And uh, it's interesting, you know, somebody could hear that and be like, well, God does, God, God makes us godly through other ways. God brings us closer to Christ in other ways. And I've been in class with Dr. Whitney. So I've, I've heard him kind of deal with this more. And I think you have too. I um, did not have oh, Dr. You didn't? Whitney. Oh, man. Wish. Was, he was not was at Southern yeah. when I was there. It was, it was great. And uh, one of the things he said is God uses three means to bring people closer to in relationship with him. Mm. He uses people, mm-hmm. he uses circumstances, and he uses the disciplines. And what's interesting about that is the people and the circumstances are always used by God to push you closer to the disciplines. Yeah, Like it's always back. And so the way I thought about it is like, 
somebody who is is really unhealthy has a heart attack, okay? That's a circumstance. It's a bad circumstance. And in that circumstance, that person is realizing themselves, I need to get healthy. So what do they do? They start applying disciplines to their life that then make them healthy. The heart attack doesn't make them healthy. The heart attack helps them realize that they're not healthy. Right. And a lot of times circumstances in our lives help us see I'm not spiritually healthy. A lot of times people in our lives help us realize I am not spiritually healthy. I need to apply some discipline mm. to my prayer, Bible reading, service, just all these things. That That's a really great way to explain it. I, I like that. I like that explanation and I like how we're always being pushed, you know, part of growing closer to the Lord is being disciplined in these things. Yeah. Undisciplined, you know, is, is easy. Yeah. It's easy just to, just to live our lives however we want, whatever whims or appetites, but the Lord has called us to something better, something greater. He's called us to holiness, which takes work and discipline. It's yeah. the working out of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's Jesus working in and through us. Don't get, don't miss that. But there is some some work that is required. We have to stay focused on the Lord. Yeah, he gives us this amazing new spiritual life. He gives that to us freely, okay? Right. We don't earn that. We don't make that. Nothing. But then he says, hey, uh, I gave this to you. And now as my child, as my son or daughter of the kingdom, uh, you were created to be my son and That's daughter right. to help steward this, to to work this out. Um, for it because you love me, not because you, you're afraid of me or you're earning this, but because because I'm your father now. Um, so let's get to work. And so that's that's how it works. And it's amazing. It's actually a really um, wonderful experience when you give yourself to the Lord in that way, in the spiritual disciplines. So let's talk about some of these disciplines. The first one that um, comes up in our resource is prayer. Now, all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus praying. He steals away little moments here and there. He spend time. He spends time in, in praying, and it really makes me think this is just sort of a normal part of his routine of, of life. And the disciples notice it. Now, in the flow of teaching and what we have in the Gospels, Jesus did not that we know of did not force a lesson of prayer upon them, but he waited till his disciples came and said, "Lord, teach, teach us, us to, pray. to pray." Yeah, that's right. And so. I don't know about you, but man, what a genius way of, of thinking about this, because oftentimes we are so hard headed. If I come at you with a lesson and I try to teach you something and you're not ready to hear, you will be like, oh, I don't I don't need to hear that. OK, whatever. But if you mm -hmm. see something working in my life, you will begin to say, how are you doing that? Yep. What is what is going on in your life? You know, I, I think about my own fitness journey in the last year. If you would have come to me two years ago and said, let me download all this fitness information, all this health information to you, uh, I would have been like, okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was ready and I started hungering for that. And I was like, okay, Brian, you've, you've had a lot of experience in this. What do you know? Sure. And you could yeah. teach me about this and share with me your knowledge, but it wasn't until I was ready to hear that. Well, and sometimes it's funny, yeah, because I was thinking about just other aspects of my life where I know somebody's doing something better than I am. Mm -hmm. Like they're whatever they're doing, it's just it's just working, and what I'm doing in my life isn't. But I'm not humble enough to admit that yet. <laughs> And that's really the the problem and that it can be a part of the Holy Spirit working in you and, and bringing that out. And I'm not saying that about what you just no, said. No, no, no. But I just mean in general, that's that can be how we it works. We get defensive a lot of times yeah. when somebody comes to try to tell us something, well, even if it's for our good. And that's why Christians, if you're hearing this, if you have people in your life and they come to you and they say something that you don't agree with, like they talk about something in your life you don't agree with, mm. at least listen. At least listen. Proverbs says the wise man loves correction. That's right. Oh, man. I mean, I hate to be corrected. Yeah. I hate to be rebuked. <laughs> but the Bible says if we if we will listen to that and lean into that, we are wise. And so in this idea of prayer, like the disciples are seeing Jesus praying and they're like, Okay, he obviously knows God. Uh, I mean, he's from God. We know he knows God. And he's praying, and it's totally different from our experience. Let's find out about this. Yeah, I mean, think about their teachers, the Pharisees. All of their prayers were, were empty and hollow. And yeah. you remember the Pharisee that says, Oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this sinner that's here. You know, yep. And Jesus says, 
who actually connected with God, the Pharisee or the guy beating his mm-hmm. chest saying, God, forgive me, a sinner. Yeah. And so they're seeing Jesus' relationship with the with the Lord, and they're saying, I, I want that. Yep. I don't want this fake prayer that we go to the temple and we lift our hands and we're, we're praying mm-hmm. so everyone hears these eloquent words that I'm saying. I want the real connection. Yeah. And, and the best way to get people to want that is to just be that way. Mm-hmm. Just being that way and, and being that way openly, yes. unashamedly, unapologetically, praying fervently to the Lord. That's right. So the next one is obviously scripture. So yeah. I mean, praying, you're you're pouring your heart out to God. Well, God's already poured His heart out to us. Yeah. Um. In the in His Word that He's given to us. Um. And so this is a huge thing. We've talked about this a lot, and we're gonna keep talking about this. Yeah. For yeah, forever. Jesus, you know. Even when he was found, Jesus was learning the word. He knew the word. Even as a boy in yep. the temple, he was teaching the word uh, in an amazing way that confounded the scribes. You know, there are 66 direct references to the Old Testament in the Gospels. There's more than 90 allusions to the Old Testament. So remember, they didn't have the New Testament at the right. time. Their Bible was the Old Testament scriptures that we have. And that was the thing. The Old Testament was completely sufficient. Remember, Jesus, he even said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And so he made the law clear. He spoke about the intent of God's law, of God's heart in all of these things. And so he made the disciples want to learn the word. Yeah. And, and what's great, what, what, I re- what really helped me and my love for the Bible is when I saw every time, especially at the end of like Matthew and, and well, really, like I think all of the Gospels, there's a, there's a place where Jesus is, is teaching his disciples after his resurrection. He's showing them how all of the Old Testament, all of the scriptures have been pointing to him this whole time. That's right. And so they're like seeing it with fresh and new eyes from the resurrected king of the universe. And they're saying, oh, this is it. This is what the whole Bible's about. This is what God's been doing this whole time. And we got to be with the the very king of the universe in his earthly life. So this love for the Bible comes from love for Christ. And, you know, I was talking with my wife this morning, and she made an awesome point. She said, you know, there's so many Christians out there that are just so offended by God's word. Yeah. And if you're a Christian and you're offended by the word of God, that, that really, that should, you should really start digging into your, what's your relationship with Jesus like? Well, it goes back to it's, and it's okay to get offended. It's just, it challenges us well, it's to, not to reorient yeah. our lives. So that's right. So do we, do we take God's word and change it to fit into our life or do we take our life and change it according to what right. God's word it stings, says? It hurts it. Like it, you know, it can offend, but Ultimately, we have to bow to it because right. it's it's pointing. It's all from God. That's right. And Jesus, the disciples saw Jesus quote so freely, and it made oh, them yeah. want to learn. And here's the thing: these were not learned men. Right. You have fishermen that are you know live their life doing this kind of manual task mm-hmm. their their whole life, manual labor type things, but yet they committed themselves, and we see them standing up quoting the scriptures, quoting the old Testament scriptures all throughout the book of acts. You know, I love, um, I love Stephen's sermon. He goes back and yeah, he goes man. all the way back to the beginning That's and an quotes awesome sermon. so much of the old Testament, the stories from the old Testament, these people knew God's word. And so Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples were anchored. They anchored their faith in the scriptures. Yeah. That was going to be the success of the church. Yeah. Jesus didn't, this is funny. Jesus didn't have arguments with people. He didn't try to win arguments with people. He just told them what the Bible said, honestly. Like he just said what the Bible said and what it meant. And and that always just ended the conversation. Well, I love when he they're like, okay, Jesus, what's the greatest law? And he says, he goes back and quotes scripture. Love the Lord God with all your heart, uh-huh. your mind, your strength. And they're like, <laughs> Oh, oh man! man. <laughs> like, like we forgot they, about that. They're one. the teachers of the law, and right. Jesus is like, it's just the Bible, guys. Right. It's just the Bible. It's it's my word. Um, so this is this is huge. Knowing the Scripture, being anchored in that in your faith, um, so important to the success of the apostles in the church. The the third thing that our resource brought about is this kind of older term called soul winning. So like, what can you talk a little this bit about This book that? is a little bit 
older. And yeah. so we may not have this uh, term thrown around a lot, but this is just, um, this is just really thinking about what it means to live a life that's evangelistically, or we might say today you're living missionally. Yeah. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. I think that is, that is a lot of how we kind of have said that now, because we want, we really want ourselves, everyone to think of you being on gospel mission everywhere you are. You might not be a missionary, like specifically called to go somewhere, but you are called to spread the gospel missionally, like where you're at. And so that's really, you know, our kind of responsibility and soul winning. We're spreading the gospel. Right. And God causes the growth. Yeah, so. exactly. You know, Coleman from our resources, practically everything that Jesus said and did had some relevance to their work of evangelism, either by explaining a spiritual truth or revealing to them how they should deal with people. He did not have to work up teaching situations, but merely took advantage of those about him. And thus his teaching seemed perfectly realistic. In fact, for the most part, the disciples were absorbing it without even knowing they were being trained to win people under like conditions for God. I love that because what he's simply saying there is Jesus was just always ready to teach. And anytime anything was happening, he saw God working in it all. And he was able to show people more of God through anything that was going on in their lives at any point in time. And so that's what we're really kind of advocating here is this idea of constantly being ready to share the gospel. I mean, in any conference, I had somebody come to my house to evaluate, you know, a roof. And I'm like, you know, just thinking of ways to, to start talking about God. Um, like I shouldn't be, feel awkward or feel ashamed. And I do, I do feel, I'll, I'll confess. I do feel awkward. I do feel weird talking about God. Cause I don't know if they're going to like that or not, but you know what? That's where we really have to ask ourselves, like how much, how much do we love God? Right. Do we love God enough? And do we love this person enough yes. to give them what they need? Even if they're, they're not, if they don't want it. Yeah. And just like you said, it takes work. It is a spiritual discipline. Evangelism yeah. is a spiritual discipline. Yeah. You know, you got to force yourself to do it. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> and Jesus demonstrated this, you know, of course there, there were the 12, but there were also other people that were one to Christ. You know, we see in the book of Acts, there were 120 brothers that gathered after Jesus's ascension to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so there was this whole group of people that had been one to Christ, not just the 12. A lot of times we think of the 12, but there right. were There's there was a, a whole more. beginnings of a church there. Yeah. And so evangelism was was a huge part of what Jesus did. He was always focused on his mission. He was always focused on saving the world, saving souls. And you know, we I just don't think we can emulate Jesus without that part uh fully emulate him without realizing that being living on mission, sharing the gospel, evangelizing, making disciples is a part of what we do as Christians. Man, and that's he called it 12 and he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that's a great example of how Jesus is constantly teaching about the, the kingdom of heaven. He's teaching the gospel. He's taking these fishermen. That's why he said that, because Jesus is not an idiot. You know, he's saying, he's like, Hey, fisherman, I'm gonna make you fisher of men. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just catchy. Like, that's right. that'll preach. And what he's saying is, Men, I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what you need to know. And then you are gonna turn around and you're gonna do the same thing. You're gonna do the exact same thing and you're gonna teach other people and they're gonna turn around and they're gonna do the same thing. And that's why we're here today. And we're doing the same thing. And we're just gonna keep doing this. Um and, and it's if you're if we are not doing this, what you said, if we're not doing this, Brian, then we are not actually following Jesus. Mm. Like that really hurts me That's to say. convicting, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I don't do this well all the time. And so we're not on here telling people, hey, you're a terrible Christian. No, we're sitting here with you like saying, hey, Christians, we love Jesus. We know you love Jesus. Let's... Let's live for Jesus. Yeah, that's a great segue into talking about how this kind of applies to us today and what is this what does this mean for us? How do we how do we process these truths? And I really think that we got to grab hold of the idea of imitation. Yeah. We are called to imitate Christ. So not like grow a beard and wear yeah. robes and <laughs> you know travel around. I don't some people do think that and the ascetic monks and people mm -hmm, have taken mm -hmm. that literally. 
That's not what Jesus is saying. Right. But in our context, in our lives, in 2021, wherever you're living in the world, how do you take these principles that Jesus taught and apply them to your situation, being anchored in God's word, not changing or adapting God's truth, but applying that to your situation? How do we do that? Yeah, I think that that is the question we all have to ask, and we want to try to hopefully answer some of those questions right now. Um, but the, the main thing is, is we've got to have it in our minds that we have to share our faith. And, and in sharing our faith, how do we do that in the flow of life, you know? And part of that mm. is, I think it's really important to always be ready to share anything about God. That's like, right. You just yes. start the conversation. It doesn't matter. So like... Well, Jesus gave the example. There were so many ways he got to the gospel yes. truth. You know, the woman at the well, oh, you're drawing water. Oh, feeding the 5,000. Oh, I have bread. You know, and he always circled back to the gospel truth in, in many different ways. And so like a lot of the ways we do it today, like the way we train it is to come up. You know, I've been kind of cold called in the parking lot one time. So I'm like, hey, if you die, like I'm walking out to my car. If you die tonight, what would happen to you? And I'm like... Like, okay, I'm a Christian, so, like, I appreciate you saying So we talked about the gospel is great. And that can work. That can be good, you know. So, But in the normal flow of life, when you're in the gym or you're at the grocery store or whatever, and you just happen to see somebody or you end up in any kind of conversation with somebody, is there a way that you can pull that conversation mm -hmm. to the Lord? Because what happens many times is when you do that, you will find even more opportunities to keep going that's and right. to keep sharing the gospel. And you don't want to stop. And that's what I think I'm most guilty of is stopping the conversation mm. prematurely. I like to start conversation about God, but I don't keep going. Yeah, it's it's got to be based in that relationship. And it's got to be, your life has to be sort of open. You know, a lot of times mm -hmm. we like to live our lives so closed. Yeah. Even, in, even though that we're more apt to share on social media and things yeah. like that, we don't really share what r real life is like. And mm -hmm. so we have to be open to doing those things and we have to be sharing the gospel. And listen, Brian, this is my own pet peeve. We've got to preach the whole gospel. And that's what I'm really getting at. Yeah, Meaning that, that we tell people the benefits, but we also have to tell them that you're, you're committing yourself to Christ. Yeah. You can talk about uh, life in heaven and abundant life and all those things. Those are a part of it. But that's not all of it. Right. We've got to talk about, Jesus says, count the cost. You're following me. You're turning your life over to me. Your will and your way, no more. Mm -hmm. It's about the Lord. And I think when we share the gospel, we've got to tell people, you're re it, it doesn't, it's not like it all happens at once. You right. are saved and then your heart begins to be put under the Lord and the Lordship of Christ. And sometimes there are things that, that can take a little bit longer than mm -hmm, others. Mm -hmm. But as we submit ourselves to the Lord, and you know, you'll know if you're truly saved or not. You know, if, if you say a prayer and then completely walk away right. and you have no conviction, you know, nothing, then that person's, we would say they're not saved. Right. However, we do know that there are people that get saved. And then they try to go walk back into their old life. I'm the perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. The Lord kept calling me back to him. And the thing, so so I like to say that, um, you know, I was able to easily sin or, or walk into things uh, that were not great mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. After I became a Christian, for whatever reason, that was really hard. Mm. Every sin was uncovered. Everything was found out. And I, I really think that was the discipline of the Lord helping me to know, yeah. listen, you're my child. I'm not just going to let you walk into these yeah. things those without those... some punishment, without some consequences here. Those are those circumstances, right? right? That pushing you in, oh, you got to turn back to me. Disciplines. And so there was a point when I was a junior slash senior sometime in there, I can't remember exactly, but I had to really like say, okay, I'm saved and I'm committing myself fully to the Lord. I know I'm a Christian. I know I was saved back then, but now like you're my Lord. And I had to kind of recognize that Jesus was in control of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. It's a process and it really is a heart posture. You know, it's not like you're immediate. I like to talk about trajectory a lot too. Like trajectory is so important. You might not like a rocket doesn't take off from the ground and immediately make it to the moon. 
but it has to be on the right trajectory mm. or else it's not going to make it to the moon. And so there's calculations and, and they can tell by the angle of approach and all this other stuff whether or not it's going the right way. And that's what we're that's what we're looking at for ourselves and right. our own hearts and our own lives. Do we have Holy Spirit trajectory here, you know? Um, well, that's why it's so important for people to see Christ in us. We need to emulate Christ so that people can see Christ in us and we can, they will look at us and say, man, something's different about that person's life. You know, I've heard it said that you might be the only Christ that someone sees. Yeah. And that's really convicting. You know, they may not go into a church. They may never read the Bible, but if they look at your life, do they see Jesus in you? And and that, that is huge. And I, it's, I was looking at this in our notes. And as soon as I saw that, I was like that parents and grandparents, like, your kid you need to understand like that is probably true of your kids like you might be if if especially if church is not very primary in your life you might be the only Ooh. christian influence that they have that's pretty convicting isn't and it and so that's why we've got we'll, and we'll talk a little bit about this in a minute but like we've we've got to be doing our best we're not talking about perfection we're not trying to beat anybody up here it's just just recommit yourself to christ if I had a handkerchief, I'd be waving it right now. <laughs> oh, I do. Here you go. <laughs> he has one. <laughs> so th- this is so important. for. I mean, I, I have neighbors that I want them to to know what it means to be a, a real Christian. And, and oh, I'm going to mess that up. And I and I need to go yes. back to Christ. We'll talk about that, too. Yeah. And um, that's the thing. Even, even in how you mess up. There's a that, Christ-like way to do it. <laughs> right. So, so if you're quick to repent and ask for forgiveness... Even if there's like an offense or a conflict and how we deal with that, yeah. that can show somebody. Because, listen, people in the real world, they don't handle conflict right. right. They don't handle offense right. They don't handle sin correctly. Right. And so when you do it the mm-hmm. right biblical way, it's like, whoa, that's yeah. that's revolutionary. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I just thought of this. Like, that's one thing that Jesus never uh, emulated for his disciples was how to um, – how to, uh, be forgiven the right way because he was never he never needed forgiveness but right? the, well i would say the greatest example of that is when with peter you know peter yes. messed up in a big way and christ restored him well he used his disciples and, to give us the perfect example exactly and he taught about conflict he taught about offenses yeah. and how we need to handle so we have things. seen this in the the apostle i mean peter i mean i love peter because he messed up so big he messed up as big as judas did mm. and then christ restored him mm. Okay, that just shows you all we've got to do is turn back to the Savior and say, yeah. I do love you. And and, and there's me. so many small ways. I mean, you know, I think of guys like if you're on a job site or your your work and guys are, are using filthy language or telling right. dirty jokes, like I've known people that literally are identified as Christians because they don't use do language. Mm-hmm. They do not cuss. Right. And so what happens is they're like, well, uh, oh, so-and-so doesn't cuss. Well, then somebody cusses, they look over at him and like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. And and it's like, you're not offending me. I, I don't care what you say. I choose not to say those things because I'm a believer. Right. I love the Lord. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's one of those things that they're experiencing conviction because you're living your life in a way that honors the Lord. You're not judging them, but just the overflowing outpouring of that. I think it's a perfect example of like, an evangelistic way that this applies. Mm-hmm. But then like in discipleship, one of the things that gets me is like my, my, my brothers and sisters and I see them living out their Christian lives. And like, I am, I am, I don't want to say convicted. Sometimes I am convicted. It's like, wow, I need to get my act together. Um, but then there's other times where I'm just challenged. Like, yeah, I'm not even trying to live out my service in the way that they are. Like, wow, that's a great example I see from like you or from, you know, other people that I'm close to in the church. And so it actually just by their example encourages me to want to do even more. Well, it's different. You know, I will say this uh, for ministers, it's a little bit different. We have to challenge ourselves to get into the world a lot more because we are we can be a little bit insulated in the church with our with the church people Mm -hmm. and we're doing the ministry of the work and we're teaching and all these things. We have to intentionally put ourselves in the path of the world and not, and and unchurched people and non-believers. And it can be a little bit harder, but that's no excuse for us. Right? No, it's not an excuse. And so, you know, all this is, is a lot like 
you know, per, being a personal trainer Ooh, or yeah. having somebody in the gym together. And I actually, you were talking about this and having a personal trainer to teach you, but it's really more like, I, I really think it's more like having a master athlete work out with you. Yeah, you want a good personal trainer or a good somebody who knows what they're talking about. Have you ever seen these personal trainers that in the gym they're like kind of like overweight or they're like yep. they don't look like they're in shape. And I'm right. like, how did this person become a personal trainer? Cuz yes. if you don't have the discipline in your life mm -hmm. to to be in shape, how are you going to help this person yes. get in shape? Exactly. But here's and so here's <laughs> one aspect that I'm trying to add to that though is it's not because so like you see this and and you see somebody telling somebody else they got like the clipboard. And it's like, OK, now do push ups. OK, now do this. And OK, now do that. But what is even better is when you have that person doing those exercises right, with you. Right. And they're standing there. So they are way more advanced than you are. And they're saying, OK, now we're going to do some push ups. They're demonstrating okay, the proper technique exactly. by showing you how to do it. They're not... doing it with you. Right. And then, you know, I've had this happen so many times, not just working out in mm -hmm. every aspect of my life, you know, changing oil in the car, working on things. Mm -hmm. OK, let's do this together. Um, not because they need me. They don't need me to do right. this at mm -hmm. all. Um, they're imparting their wisdom on. Right. Me. Well, this is perfect example. You know, I was working on my, I was doing my squats and yeah. my, my partner that I go to the gym with, he noticed that I was shifting my hips. And so I was able to look at that. And then I went to you and I asked you about it. And we were actually in the gym together. Working out together. I was like, okay, Brian, show me, show me what you do. And then look at me, show me what I'm working on. And yeah. you were able to help me correct my form. That was only through the process of demonstration that right. that happened. And so I say all that to say when somebody's life, when they're looking at your life, you can demonstrate what Christ looks like and you can say, okay, here's what I would do in this situation. Here's how I would handle that. Here's what I do in my life. And you, you tell them and you show them by what you do, you're demonstrating Christ to them and how they can live like Christ. Totally agree. So now let's talk about how to apply like these spiritual disciplines, prayer, scripture. Yeah, these other we, things. we've talked about this a lot. We don't have to go into into a lot of details, but I think it's really important that we become people of prayer, people that focus on the scriptures and people that um, have a evangelistic mindset. We live missionally or soul winning, as we said earlier, you know. Being connected to the Lord through prayer on a regular basis is just so important. That's where we gather our strength. That's where that authentic relationship with the Lord comes into play. Yeah, I, I think that if you're if we're not doing this, and this is, you know, every Christian probably can say, this is an area I need to grow in. And so what I would say is talk to somebody that you know prays a lot. Mm -hmm. And learn from them. Yeah. Imitate them. Prayer is so powerful. The word, the scriptures even tell us that our prayers are powerful mm -hmm. and, and we, we need to be people of prayer. I can't emphasize it enough and we don't have enough time to go into it, but right. it is so important that we exercise the discipline of prayer. Everybody wants change in the world right. and the change, change prayer always precedes revival. So if we want some kind of revival, like we better be praying. Right. And let's talk about scripture for a minute. So, you know, we've got to be able to use scripture. Here's one of my, here's another one of my pet peeves. I have a lot of pet peeves. Okay. Do so you, do you though? People <laughs> feel like they have to defend God's word like, or, or, mm, yeah. or excuse or be sorry for God's word. Yeah. And here's the reality. We have to fully trust God's word. I should be able to challenge somebody, a non-believer and say, here's God's word. Read it for yourself. Yeah. He, 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 here's where you need to, you know, start with the gospel if you want, whatever you want to start with. And uh, they will hear the truth and God will speak to their heart in a way that is so profound. I don't have to nitpick verses. I don't have to say, well, read this, but don't read this. Oh, well, oh, yeah, no. we, we have to we kind of have to, yeah, we have some crazy beliefs and things like that. I, I think we have to just lean into God's yeah. word that we're sharing God's word with with believers and non-believers. Yeah, we don't hide any of the scriptures from somebody. We want to seek understanding always. Like, So there's parts where it's like, what does that mean? Okay, yeah. let's dig into that some. Um, but we don't run away from scripture. Yeah, and, and God's word is always our anchor. Can yes. I just say this? Anyone that has, that has drifted from sound doctrine or, or moved towards sin always, always, has, has removed their anchor from God's word. That is, man, I, you said it, man. That is 
exactly the the problem when we start saying that scripture is not our authority and we start getting like like I was saying you know uh, offended by what the Bible says and we don't let it change us you're going to walk away from the Lord yep so there's a great example of how all of this comes together. And this is in uh, Rosario Butterfield's testimony. Mm. And you can go to Christianity Today. Uh, it's called My Trainwreck Conversion. Mm. I love she wrote a whole she wrote her whole testimony out. And just I'll, I'll briefly summarize because I think it really comes together in a great way. She was a very liberal, she was a lesbian. She was liberal. Uh are a liberal uh she was a professor, college professor of, of women's some kind of feminism type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't exactly remember, but but she, her own self said she was very, very uh, against like, she calls it the Holy Trinity of, of Christianity in the sense mm-hmm. that it was like the church and Republicans and oh, conservatives yeah. and the Bible, you know, all of these types of things that kind of fueled this whole thing that we know that's not true Christianity when right. it's wrapped up in politics, you right. know, but she wanted to write a book and really f- discover where the Bible yeah. and all of these things sort of intersected and why people were this way. Well, she had been getting letters and she kind of prided herself on like hate letters and, um, you know, letters of people that, that were her fans and the people that hated her. And she kind of had two bins. Well, she got this letter one day from a local pastor and it didn't fit in either bin. Huh. She didn't know what to do with it. She almost threw it away, but she's left it on her desk. And it was a local pastor that was challenging her her presuppositions and sort of just asking questions mm. in, in a very loving way, just saying, have you thought about these things? Yeah. Well, she began to study the Bible on her own, read, read through the Bible many times, read through different versions of the Bible, and started to reach out to this pastor, Ken. Mm-hmm. And said, hey, can you study this Bible with me and explain some things and begin to ask questions? Well, Ken and his wife began to sort of adopt Rosario in the sense that they were were eating dinner together. Mm -hmm. They were doing Bible study together. All the while, Ken had gone back to his church and the whole church was praying for her. Yeah. And so he didn't shy away from God's word. He just, they just studied God's word. Over time, she found herself saying, well, maybe I'll try church and begin to go to church to hear Ken preach. She fought the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, literally, she said, I fought God yeah. every step of the way. I was dragged kicking and st- screaming yeah. to salvation. Yeah. God saved her soul, radically transformed her because she knew she was going to have to give up yeah. everything. It yeah. was one of those situations where Jesus calls you to walk away from everything to be his disciple. And she, uh, completely sold out to the faith. And, and I want the reason I point this out is because it took, think about this, God's word, a a loving person who was there to build a relationship with her and the prayer of a church. Those three things converged to radically save this woman who by all intents and purposes was a lost cause. Right. So I say all this to say, this is how this all comes together in a real world perspective. No one is a lost cause. If we will put God's word out there, teach and and live our lives in a way that honors Christ, people can be one to Jesus. And that's, that's that really the soul winning part of this, this uh, other discipline. I mean, if that pastor hadn't just written that letter, you know, like it's just being intentional. It's instead of saying it on purpose. Oh, well this I, right. I'm going to judge this person. How many times would we or say avoid somebody? I can't believe this person says this about Christianity. They're so right. wrong. Right. Instead saying, Hey, let's, let's lean into that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love that attitude. Like we can, we can, yeah, we can be brave enough to lean into somebody who hates us mm. for their own, for their mm. own sake, you know? And I'm, I, I'm really trying to put this in practice in my life in a few different ways and it's hard, mm. but I think it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and so let's just end this on yeah. talking about how this really applied. We talk about it some with families. How does this apply to your family? Mm. What, what do so, parents need to be doing? So parents, we need to work on spiritual disciplines in our lives because we are we are demonstrating to our kids. We are the first and primary disciplers to our kids. Yep. If, if they're going to see Jesus in somebody, it's going to be us. That's right. And so we've got, it's important to understand our personal relationship with the Lord. And, uh, you know, remember back to our study, nothing less. 
God's word was the biggest indicator of spiritual maturity as kids grew older. You know, there were other things, prayer, evangelism, serving missions. Those were all a part of it. But God's word was the biggest thing. Yeah, I see a trend nowadays where parents really like to encourage their kids with like catchy phrases or kids really are like really gravitating towards um, mantras and and just these catchy (coughs) phrases. And uh, I would just really encourage you, parent, if you want the power of God to work in your kid's life, you know, uh, catchy phrases, uh, these inspirational quotes might be good, but they're not powerful. Mm. Uh, Only God's word is powerful. And so we've got to really encourage them to get into the word of God. And that means we got to be in God's word. They're not going to care about something that you don't care about. Uh, My kid, my kid loves planes, trains, and automobiles. And you want to know why? Because I love planes, trains, yeah. and automobiles. And now it's kind of driving me crazy how much he loves them. Now. <laughs> I mean, just every time it's like, watch airplane, plane, plane. And I'm like, oh my goodness, kid. Yeah. Um, but he's catching what I love. That's so. right. Yeah. We have to, you know, we would never let the intellectual part of our child go. We would never let the physical part, you know, we say this all the time. Yep. We want them to be physically active in sports. We want them to go to school and learn intellectually, but we don't prioritize the spiritual part of their lives. Well, and, and they, and this is the thing is they can't imitate something that they're not seeing in you. And that's hard, parent. I know. Like we're parents. We're sitting here. We're pre. I mean, we're sitting across the table, sitting here like we're yeah, preaching I at do each this. other. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we need this. This is good for us because I want my kids to be able to see what it looks like. I want my two boys to grow up and know what it means to be a godly man. Mm. And I'm not going to be a perfect godly man. I definitely know that. My wife, <laughs> she knows that. Um, but, but mm. in the best of my ability, I can do that. Yeah. And so we need to be challenged to walk in these disciplines. And really, guys, I want you to know the church can help. Yes. You know, we engage, you need to engage your children and your students in the the ministries of the church. This is not like school where you just take your kids, you drop them off. We're going to disciple your kids. No worry, whatever. We are partners. That's right. In your child's spiritual development. So I I want it. We take this very seriously in our teaching and our preaching and how we encourage all of these things in our students and our children. And we want to help your family. Yes. This is a part, I mean, we're doing this podcast as ministry. Like we, Mm -hmm. we really think like, we hope that you listener are hearing this and, and, and we're all applying this to ourselves because this is a part of the way we want to help you. That's right. Um, But we are here. You can meet with us, like reach out to us. We're here for you. Um, But ultimately we're going to end up all asking ourselves what what's our personal responsibility in this how are we taking our responsibility that god has given to us and living that out what are some you know specific ways yeah we've got we do to be prepared there is a personal responsibility on believers to say are you prepared for people to look at your life right. and see christ and if not, then what needs to change in your life? Yeah. We, we, our children, especially, are we prepared for our children to look at us and see Christ in us? Right. And so we just got to keep working on those things. You know, that's, that's, that's really the question. You want to know the trick? Yeah. Tell me the trick, the trick, always be looking at Christ. Oh yeah. Well, that's I mean, the trick. That's right. Your life will begin to look more and more like Christ. If you're always focused on Jesus. So parents, this is not like us trying to be perfect or us trying to do this in our own strength. I think we've laid that out. That groundwork has been laid the last few episodes. Okay. Right. So don't hear us saying you've got to be the perfect parent. You've right. got to do everything right. Parent better. No. But what we're saying is as you look to Christ, your children will see that in you and they will begin to emulate you as you emulate Jesus. That's, that's what it's all about. Discipleship. That's discipleship. And your, your kids, if you, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about their kids being a positive influence for Christ, uh, to their friends. Okay. Are they going to be? Because if they've not seen somebody show them how to do that, then how do they know how to do that? Yeah, that that and when we have parents that say that, it's because their parents are a positive influence. And normally that's the case. I mean, they're the parents are thinking that way. Right. And so that's such a good thing. Keep doing that. But we've got to practice this this confession. Yeah. Repentance. This goes with what I was just saying that we don't have to be perfect. Right. But in how we handle these types of things, we've got to think 
we've got to be Christ-like even in these things. That's right. We are, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what it looks like to obey Christ is to, to give him our best, our hundred percent, knowing that he is the one working in us. And when we fail, we're still obeying him when we Mm. confess our failure, our sin, when we repent and turn back to Jesus. And when we ask for forgiveness, that is obedience too. Yeah. And so we've got to do that. Yeah. When we mess up, we've got to be ready to own it, even with our own kids. When we're, when we're offended or wrong, we must be ready to forgive. Yeah. The biggest thing you can do that can mess up your parenting is to get personally offended at everything your kids do and everything your kids say. And that's hard with teenagers. I've got, (laughs) I've got a teenager and a preteen. And if you just get personally offended at everything they do and say, you are going to walk around offended all the time. So I've got to not be offended. And then I've also got to forgive very quickly. So we, we've got, and the only way that's going to happen is for us to have a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus. Mm, that's you're, if, you're not going to be solid. If you hear us saying anything, it's, yeah. it's have that personal relationship. Look to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it, I've heard, I was watching a, a documentary about a famous pastor. And one of the things they said was, it wasn't so much that he was preaching the right doctrine. It's that you could tell mm. he was in love with God mm. and everything he said was so infectious because he was just, he was just, talking to God and we just happen to be there. Yeah. I will say the, the pastors that I know that have had great success and long, and when I say success, I mean like longevity and yeah, ministry. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking like 50, 60 years in ministry. Those guys, you can tell they have an authentic personal relationship with the Lord. That's right. That's right. So, so the questions are, are you walking with the Lord? If not, what are the areas that you need to be working on? What's and what your is your plan, plan yeah. to improve it? How yeah. are you going to seek that out? Who's helping you do that? Yeah. So don't. So so I think just to kind of wrap this up, we as Christians are called like Jesus to demonstrate our faith, to demonstrate our love for the Lord, and as people see that in us, they will see something different, and we will just be living evangelistically, missionally. Now, of course, we have to say it, and we're going to talk more right, about that right, in the coming right. weeks. You have to say it, but first, if your words don't match your actions, there's going to be matter. a problem. Yeah, right. it doesn't matter. That's right. Well, thanks for listening. If you've liked it, definitely share us. Let people know about us. Please and, share uh, us. So, tell tell people about our podcast yeah. so more people can experience the great wisdom. <laughs> well, hopefully we're just pointing people to Christ. That's right. And so, um, so yeah, we want people, more people to, to hear and know about Jesus. That's so, right. Thanks for listening. That's it. We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time. of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're going to continue our conversation about the gospel pandemic, part five, demonstration. First take, we did it. Bam! Don't touch me. A lot of that was not there. So I just was like, I think this is part five. (laughs) You did. Uh, Is it part five? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I hope so. Ooh. That, that we do need to check because that will out. sound like idiots. <laughs> it part five. It's part six. <laughs> Not part even, five. I don't even know what episode they're on. <laughs> These guys are idiots. Oh, no. Uh, what is it? Yep, it's part It's part six. Crud. Okay, just record your part. Yep. Because my part was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. I messed it up because you didn't put in the notes. <laughs> and now the blame shifting begins because uh-huh, we're sinners. All right, here we go.